Shall we pray together before we look at the Bible? Well, Father, we thank you for the opportunity we've had this morning to worship, to celebrate you, to connect with you in our singing, in our praying. Lord, we love you, and it is such a privilege to be together in your presence and to meet with you in this way. Lord, this morning we pray as we open up your word that we would encounter you in the word. Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would impart faith and life and inspiration to us through your word. We thank you, God, that for this book. We thank you that it is not just a book. Lord, thank you that when we open the pages of your word, Lord, we meet you and we pray that would be our experience this morning. Would you help us? Would you prepare our hearts even now in this moment for all that you want to speak and to do in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we are starting a new series, as we often do at the start of the year. We're going to look at various aspects of our um, devotional life with God, but really trying to connect it with the one to whom we are devoted. So seeing the things that we do that invest in our relationship with God in the context of our relationship with God. So, you know, it's like if you were to look at, say, a married couple that you could say, oh, well, you know, they've, they've kind of maybe they've bought a house together or they've got, you know, a financial relationship that they, you know, have a shared bank account and things like that. But they don't have that just because, you know, they're financial partners. Married couple do that because they've committed themselves to each other and to share everything and to give everything. And similarly, in our relationship with God, there are things that we do, like reading the Bible or like praying or worshipping. They are things that we do as Christians, but we don't do them just because they are good things to do, but we do them because they connect us with God. They are part of our relationship with God. We love God. You know, when I was a, a student worker, sometimes uh, many, many years ago, sometimes I used to talk to kind of students about, okay, so, you know, what's your goal for the year ahead or what, what is it that you want to uh, achieve in the next few weeks? And a number of times people would say to me, oh, I want to know the Bible better. And, uh, and you know, it's kind of a, a kind of good thing to want. But in a slightly kind of cheeky way, I would sometimes kind of respond and say, oh, that's interesting. Why? Why do you want to know the Bible better? And, um, and, and often people are a bit stumped because, you know, it's just one of those things you should want, isn't it? You know, it's like the right answer. And, uh, and so it's, you know, it kind of tease out for them that actually what they wanted to know is not just to know the Bible better. They want to know God Better. That the goal, the aim is not just to know the Bible better. You know, there are people all around this country and universities up and down this land who know this book really, really well, can tell you all about its historical setting and what it says and things like that, but they don't know God. And our goal and our aim is to know God better, to grow in our faith, to grow in our life and our experience of Him. And so what do we want to look at today is to kind of know God better through His Word. And it's true of other things about prayer and worship that we may well look at in the the coming weeks, you know, sometimes you talk to people who are kind of nominal Christians or, um, or not even Christians, and they might talk about, you know, saying a prayer. And it kind of has this idea of, you know, that, that saying a prayer, that just these kind of words, it's like a, a just, you know, uttering this and something magically will happen. We don't just say prayers, we pray to the God who is able to answer and able to do something. You know, we don't just sing worship songs, we worship God. And so what we want to do over the next few weeks is really see these things in the context of our relationship with God. And so this is something we felt it was important to start the year with this. And I know we've kind of um, talked about some of these things and maybe last year and the, the year before, but I, I hope that you're not um, sitting here this morning thinking, well, how am I going to grow if you keep on talking to me about reading my Bible? You know, if that's all you ever talk to me about, how to read my Bible, how on earth am I going to grow? You know, hopefully you can understand that the way we grow, and the only way we're going to grow, actually, is if we know God through his word and we encounter him, as if we can understand our prayer life and invest in that, that if we uh, can worship God, and so really connect with him in these things. 
So this morning, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at it in the context of uh, Paul and his relationship to God through the word. And I've called it unremoved. So this sense of we're looking at the word, but we're doing it kind of unremoved from our relationship with God. And so I want to look at Paul's relationship with God through the word. And I'm going to do that not through kind of one of the letters in the New Testament that he wrote, but in the book of Acts and Acts chapter 20. And we're going to read from verses 13 to 38. The words will be on the screen. So Acts 20 from verse 13. It says, We went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul aboard. He had made this arrangement because he was going there on foot. When he met us at Assos, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene. The next day we set sail from there and arrived off Chios. The day after that we crossed over to Samos and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, for he was in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly from house to house. I have declared to to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching this kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today, I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flocks of which you are of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. For you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, He knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. Okay, so we read here Paul is on his journey to Jerusalem and all that awaits him there. As part of his journey, he asked the the leaders of the church in Ephesus to come and meet with him. And this is kind of like his, his sort of final words, his instruction, and his encouragement to those leaders of the church. And Paul, uh, we see here how keen Paul was to visit them. And I think in this passage, you really see Paul's heart for people. I think often, you know, when we think of, certainly for me, when I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of, you know, the book of Romans and how, you know, what an incredible teacher and what great uh, theology Paul had. But again and again, and particularly here in this passage, you see something of his heart, you know, about how he works and pours himself out for people and how in response there is a sense of, of weeping at the thought of not seeing him again. You know, Paul is not some professional preacher who rocks up after the worship has started and leaves before the meeting is finished. He deeply cares about these people. And so he wants to teach them and he wants to instruct them and he wants to make sure they know the truth. And we see the importance of this because he, he warns that there will be people who distort the truth to do, draw disciples after them. He says that in verse 30. So what we believe affects where we go. So if we're looking in terms of being disciples of the Lord Jesus, it's important that we understand 
his word. But the key verse that I want to look at, I know I kind of read quite a big passage, but the key verse I want to look at this morning is verse 32. It says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. So I want to look at this verse and pick out four things from it about our relationship with God through the word. So the first thing I've called undeserved, and it expresses the fact that Paul talks about the word of grace. The word, the Bible, God's word is part of God's grace, which is his undeserved kindness to us. Through the Bible, God reveals his passion for us by his grace. When we forget that our relationship with God is based purely on grace, then we get ourselves into a real mess. When we kind of think that somehow we can earn God's kindness and his favor, or that God uh, loves us because we are, you know, just a really nice person and nicer than all the other people, then, you know, that attitude gets us into all sorts of problems. And I'm just so um, thankful that God really has helped me to have an appreciation of his grace. It's kind of one of the things every, it feels like every day when I start praying, I say, Lord, I thank you for your grace and your goodness. It's just kind of one of those things, one of those phrases, because it's how I start, because I've just been so impacted, you know, because I know what I'm like. I'm just so impacted by God's kindness, so blown away by his favor. He says, Paul says, in, uh, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, he says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So the, the only way we can have a relationship with God is by his grace. There's not enough good things that we can do. That you know, there's not enough. We're not cool enough. There's not enough we can do to make it right with God or to meet the standards. And many times I've spoken to people about becoming a Christian, and they say, "Well, I don't feel good enough. You know, I don't feel like uh, you know I'm good enough to become a Christian." It's like, great, you're in just the right place to to receive a relationship with God because anyone who thinks they're good enough can't receive this grace. So we become a Christian by grace, you know? And, and if we need God's grace to start the Christian life, how much more do we need it to continue? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 10, he, he talks about, you know, how hard he works. And he says, yet yeah, not I, but the grace of God that was within me. So Paul recognized it wasn't just kind of grace in how he became a believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus, but he was reliant on God's grace every day. You know, it's kind of like um, relying on somebody's kindness to get a job that you're not qualified for or that you don't have the experience. And someone shows you kindness and, and kind of gives you this job, which is tremendous, isn't it? But then suddenly you're in a job that you don't have the qualifications or the experience to do. And so we need that ongoing help and that ongoing kindness to help us to, to do it, to equip us, to give us what we need. God's word of grace helps us to live the life that he calls us to live. I think it's interesting at Christmas time, isn't it? I don't know whether anyone here braved like the supermarket on Christmas Eve. The supermarket on Christmas Eve, it's it you know really brings out the worst of human nature. You know, it kind of really if you're not a Calvinist before, after you see this and the depravity of man on Christmas because it's just desperate. You know, I've been to a supermarket on Christmas Eve before where you're you're kind of waiting for somebody to finish with their trolley so you can go and do your shopping. And one of the reasons people do that is, you know, the thought of not having enough food in over Christmas, over that one day when the supermarket is shut, that we might kind of run out of food because we recognize actually if we're going to, you know, do Christmas dinner or if we're going to, you know, provide hospitality, that tin of Frey Bentos, you know, uh, pie and alphabetic spaghetti that we have in the cupboard isn't going to just, you know, crack it, is it? That actually we need the, the kind of resources to do that. I don't know whether there's anyone here who, uh, like me, kind of grew up in the 80s and ever watched the TV program MacGyver. There was an American TV program called MacGyver, and uh, I see Lee Taylor nodding there. And, and, and MacGyver was, was, you know, a bit of an action hero, but a bit of a different action hero in that, you know, when he was in difficult situations, he, he kind of managed to use the resources just he found around him to get out of the scrape, you know, that he could kind of defuse a bomb with 
well, you know, a tin of Fray Bentos and a tin of Alphabeti Spaghetti or whatever he had to hand. And the word, the verb, to MacGyver, is now in the Oxford English Dictionary to describe this sense of, of just kind of using what you have around you to fix a problem. So, you know, oh, yeah, he MacGyvered it. I, I MacGyvered it. You know, things like where you read about doctors doing tracheotomies with a, a big biro or people just, you know, kind of cobbling something together. And that was MacGyver, kind of Heath Robinson, but like with a mullet or something like that. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, we have this idea, oh, we'll just cobble something together. You know, in the Christian life, we cannot just cobble it together. We cannot just MacGyver it. We need God's grace. And the Bible is part of God's grace to us, his undeserved provision, his unmerited kindness, his unwarranted love. And it's why Paul went to such great lengths to teach people and, and really pour himself out for people. He, more than most, knew and had experienced the grace of God. And so, you know, even we read about him being kind of oppressed and persecuted and, and uh, attacked and opposed, but it's just like this sense of, you know, a man on te- a Tesco's on Christmas, I'm going to get that turkey, I'm going to get the last box of roses. You know, he's fighting through and insisting, I'm going to preach the grace of God. You know, whatever you throw at me, I am going to preach. The Bible is part of God's grace to us, the grace that we need, the undeserved, unmerited kindness. So when we choose to ignore the word of grace, when we choose to bypass it or put it aside, what we are in effect saying to God is, I'm good. I think I can handle that. You know what? I think I can MacGyver it with the resources that I have around me. I can do marriage just in my own kind of resource. I can do friendship. I can do life. Listen, God wants to help us. God wants to help us. One of the ways in which he helps us is through his word. There's a, a, a chilling, uh, I think really kind of impacting verse in the book of Jonah, of all places in Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. And it says, those who forfeit, the, it says, uh, let me read it so I'll make sure I get it right because uh, I don't want to, no. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who insist on pursuing something else miss out on the grace of God. We could say those who insist on doing it in their own strength miss out on the help and the grace of God because our attitude to the Bible reflects our attitude to God. Paul says, I commit you not just to the word, but to God and the word of his grace. I commit you to God. Commit you to God. How do you connect with God? Through the word. We meet God in the word. And so I know that kind of sometimes it can feel like the Bible becomes a bit of a, a, a duty or a, you know, it's kind of we sometimes talk of it as a discipline. And one of the reasons that, you know, we kind of have a strong sense of this is something we need to do is because it's important. But when we read the word, it's really important that we connect it with the author, that we don't disconnect it from God. So how do we do that? Well, let me suggest two or three things that I find really helpful. One of them is, is kind of prayer, is before we read the Bible, before I read the Bible, I try to pray and ask God to speak to me. And so there's a sense of I'm already connecting with God in prayer as I then come to the Bible. I not just look to read some words, but to connect with God through that and through what I'm reading. And it's, it's so exciting when you say, Lord, would you help me understand this situation? And then you read the Bible and it helps you understand the situation when God answers a prayer. And I hope I trust that there are some of you around here, most of you, who have had that experience. You know, there was um, a bit uh, last year where I was kind of really, um, I was praying for some stuff and kind of had this sense of, well, God's already provided it. My prayer is, it shouldn't be, oh, Lord, will you provide this? My prayer should be, Lord, help me to receive this. And so I was saying to God, oh, Lord, you know, teach me how to receive what, what you've already provided and what you, you give. And just then, you know, the, the sort of, I, I kind of, looked at the, the Bible and the passage God put on my heart, and it just kind of taught me so much about my attitude and what I need to do. And it's so exciting when the, the, the Bible is this answer to prayer, and it meets us in our need. 
So praying, I think, is really helpful. Putting ourselves into it. You know, when we kind of read about people in the Bible, the Bible's all about people's relationship with God. And so when we kind of try to relate to the people and put ourselves in that, that can really help us. Not just the good people, not just saying, oh, you know, how am I like David, but saying, how am I like Goliath? You know, one of the most impacting things I read uh, last year was just kind of looking at these people who rejected Jesus, who effectively said to Jesus, you know, Lord, go away. And, and me just kind of really praying to God and saying, well, you know, am I, am I, I'm not actually saying that, but are there attitudes, are there kind of habits, are there things that I'm doing that are in effect saying that to God? So putting ourselves in it. And also asking the question, well, what do I do with this? What is God saying to me? Again, last year, I kind of remember reading about being really impacted about God's fatherhood. I kind of felt like so often I'd see God in a, in a kind of, can see God in a functional way. But God was really impacting me about his fatherhood of me and, and sort of seeing God relationally. And, and every day in that week when I was reading that, it was kind of going to, to work predominantly and saying, actually, what difference is this going to make to me today that God is my father? How is that going to make a difference in my workplace, in the meetings that I'm going to, in the people I'm encountering? And just kind of reflecting back at the end of the day as well as saying, you know, you know how is my life demonstrated that God is my father today? So reflecting and, and kind of asking, well, what difference does this make? So that's just some of the ways in which we can really help to connect the word with God. So that's the first thing, undeserved, the word as part of God's grace. The second thing are called undeterred. And it reflects what Paul says about God building us up. God builds us up through his word. He encourages us. He equips us. He improves us. He helps us through the Bible. God reveals his purposes for us by building us up. And I think most of us probably like to be built up, you know, or kind of receive some sort of acknowledgement. And I know lots of us don't like, you know, we necessarily want our name in lights or anything like that, but just to know that what we've done has been appreciated or acknowledged. And I think similarly, most of us like being able to help people. Um, I, I think it's, you know, I kind of recognize that there's challenges with it, but I think it, it, it's, it must be kind of quite uh, nice if you're in a kind of difficult medical situation, if there is a doctor there and you kind of have the skills to be able to, to you know, help people. I appreciate it's a bit of a kind of burden in the sense of being on duty all the time. But, you know, I've never been on a plane or at the theatre and somebody come along and said, is there a performance analyst in the house? You know, this, this man, he needs to know, is his difference statistically significant? Is there an analyst in the house? It just doesn't happen to me. And so, you know, I kind of feel a little bit envious of, of sort of medical people who have the, the kind of knowledge that can really um, help people. But in his life, Paul, you know, helped, he encouraged. He had a lot of oppression himself and opposition, but he was able to be encouraged and encourage others, to be strengthened and strengthen others. In, in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, he talks about God who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God wants to build us up. God wants to build us up. And I think some people have a view of God or have a view of the Christian life that, you know, God, God's on a downer with us, uh, you know, and kind of wants us to feel guilty or uh, or bad. And, and let's be honest, we are guilty sinners, but we are guilty sinners whom God has redeemed and who he wants to build up. I remember when I was at university, I studied a, a module in, in British history, uh, just because I'm a sort of sad person who thought that might be interesting, not because I had to. And, uh, and I remember at the end of the, some of you will possibly remember, at the end of the 40s, at the start of the 50s, there was a Chancellor of the Exchequer called uh, Sir Richard Stafford Cripps, and this was really at a bad time of austerity in Britain. And it's like rationing was worse than it was in the war. We had even less. And uh, he was kind of called the Iron Chancellor because of the austerity that he, uh, he put. And one historian describes him, because he was um, a kind of uh, a Christian, describes him as a, a grim, unsmiling moralist. And I kind of, that phrase is stuck in my head because I think I, I encounter people who have that view of God and of the Christian life, that it is grim and unsmiling, and just about kind of having good morals. You know, God passionately cares for us, about his people, and he wants to build us up. And in this passage, we see Paul 
the builder of people. Paul, the encourager. You know, like I said before, I think sometimes we see Paul as being very serious. And certainly I don't think he was a kind of frivolous kind of guy. I don't think he'd rock up for a game of Twister around your house. But he cares. In this passage, you read about him going house to house and working hard and not failing to teach anything useful. So much so, in verse 37, people wept and embraced him at the thought of not seeing him again. Paul is reflecting here the heart of a God who cares passionately about his people and who has purposes for his people. And the word builds us up and equips us to build others up. Remember, Paul, he's speaking to uh, the, the leaders in the church, and he's equipping them to equip others. One of the things God's been encouraging me to do this past year has, has been asking the question, okay, what does the word have to say about this situation? So, you know, it could be that uh, sort of challenging situation at work or, or with people who are facing kind of difficulties. and just trying to sort of say, well, okay, what does the word have to say about this situation? Is there something I can bring here? Because God cares deeply about 21st century life and about us, and his word is incredibly relevant for all sorts of aspects of life. So to, get, you know, to be able to help people and get beyond meaningless platitudes of just saying, oh, you know, it'll be all right. You know, hey, hon, you'll get through. Come on, bro, you can do this. You know, to go beyond those things and really, you know, they're nice thoughts, but they are built on hope rather than certainty. When we bring the word into a situation, we unleash the word of God that builds up. We unleash the truth that just lifts things up. The God who builds up and lifts situations with real strength. One of the things, as I said, that helps me to do that is asking the question, well, what does the word say to speak to this situation? What does the word say to speak to this situation? And I think it's one of the reasons why it's really important to, to know and to know God through the Bible and through the whole Bible. So Paul says in verse 27, I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And like I said, the Bible is incredibly relevant and speaks to our situation. But it's about more than just having some kind of key verses for, for key situations. You know, a few years ago, um, there was an advert for the iPhone that you know, talked about, oh, there's an app for that. And in lots of situations, we could say, oh, there's a verse for that. You know, feeling lonely, there's a verse for that. You know, struggling at work, there's a verse for that. And that is true, but actually it's really important that we understand the whole of the Word of God, because sometimes it's not quite so straightforward. You know, we can't isolate this problem from everything else that's going on in the world. You know, you could say, well, you know, would God want to kill his son? Well, you know, just quite simply like that, well, maybe not. But there is a bigger picture here, because does God want to redeem humanity? Does God want a people for his own? Does God want to show his love and his passion for people? Well, yes, he does. And so it's important that we understand God in his word and not just kind of have some you know, key verses like kind of fortune cookie theology. But asking God, you know, God, you know, is there an answer or, or speak to me about this situation and expecting to find an answer in its pages and really praying for that is one of the things that helps me in this thing. So that's the, the, the second bit about how God builds us up through the word. The third I've called undying. And it expresses about how the word leads us into God's inheritance for us. And God's inheritance is ultimately about his kingdom, is about our eternal life, is about us getting God himself, really. So through the Bible, God reveals his preparation of us for our inheritance of eternal life with him. In Titus chapter 3, verse 7, Paul says that, talks about having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. So our inheritance is our life with God. The word is part of the way in which God leads us on this journey towards our destiny, our future, our ultimate destination. A life spent with God, undying, unceasing, eternal life. And eternal life doesn't just speak about quantity, but of quality, of life with God. Sometimes I talk to people, people uh, who, who don't know God, talk to them about, uh, 
about God, about the Bible. Sometimes conversation gets onto things like heaven and hell. It's not usually my opening line, but sometimes we get there. And, uh, and, and I've had people say before, well, you know, if I go to hell, at least I'll be with my friends. And, uh, and, and you know, I have to, you know, every ounce of self-control in me prevents me from, you know, screaming out, no, you idiot, no, because, you know, at the end of time, there is just going to be this great division between God and everything that comes from God and every good and perfect thing we have comes from God and sin and death and hell. So there's not going to be any friendship in hell. There's not going to be any laughter or joy or fun or happy things. You know, it's just going to be this division. And uh, it's just, ah. Oh. But it's why, you know, um, Paul is so... Um, passionate, but why he says with tears in the face of opposition, I'm preaching the gospel, I, you know, getting this message out that they may turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. They may have eternal life, life with God, life of quality with all the good things that comes from God. So the word builds us up now, and it is an expression of God's grace today, but it also prepares us for the future. Just as kind of chronologically, you know, every day we are getting closer to that point where we will be with him. You know, if anyone's ever asked you, you know, what's your, what's your kind of closest to death experience? Well, it's today because, you know, we're one day closer to when we're going to be with the Lord. Just as kind of chronologically, we're getting closer to that point. Through the word, God is preparing us to be closer to the people that we're going to be when we have that eternal life in its fullness. And it might be in kind of small increments and there's a long way to go, but we will live with God. We will know him intimately. That's the kind of fulfillment of eternal life. Today, we can meet with God through his word. Today, we can meet with God through his word. It says in 1 Samuel 3, verse 21, the Lord appeared at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel by the word of the Lord. God revealed himself through his word. Jesus says in John 15, verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So through the word, we start to experience this joyous, incredible relationship with God, this experience of eternal quality life now. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm kind of reaching that milestone in my life where uh, around half of my life has now been lived as a Christian, which is kind of, uh, which is really, really exciting. But you kind of also think, oh, I wish I had a bit more to, to show for it. Um, but I, I kind of look back on times that really helped me in my growth as a Christian. I remember after I'd been a Christian about a year, I think I spoke this, about this before, just really kind of being impacted about needing to get serious about my relationship with God, that living a half-hearted kind of Christian life was, was kind of worse than being a sinner, really, because you knew the right thing, and you felt guilty for doing the wrong thing, and, um, and it just doesn't work. And I kind of, um, so the sort of um, second year that I was a Christian, really invested in knowing God through his word, and getting that word into me, and I kind of read it, and would make notes on it, and just kind of instill a bit of discipline in my life to help me to do that. Uh, I remember... Um, when I was in, in full-time ministry, kind of making opportunities to read it and study it a bit more and really kind of invest in my life and that area of my life so more. And you know what? Today, every day, I can recognize the fruit of those times spent investing in my relationship with God through the Bible. You know, I'm living in the fruit of it every day. I'm still reading the Bible and I'm still investing in my relationship with God through it. But it's just that those kind of times have really sowed something into me, um, and, and not just kind of what I learned kind of objectively, but the effect of having read it, that it does us um, good. Jesus, in, in Matthew 12, verse 35, Jesus speaking about our mouths, reflecting what is in our hearts, says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So one of the things I try to do when I'm reading the Bible is store up good things. That's one of the reasons why I use a notebook, because it kind of really helps me to think about it and engage with it and think, okay, what is it that I want to write down? What is it that, 
that strikes me. And it actually, you know, even if I don't look at it again, just the process of having done that helps me to kind of absorb it and to get it in. That's why I think Discovery Bible studies that we sometimes do in our cell groups are really helpful because it helps us think about, you know, um, rephrasing the passage or thinking about, well, what do we learn here about God, about ourselves? How am I going to respond to it? So the word gives us an inheritance, but it is also part of the process of preparation. Paul talks about an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now, I don't think he is attaching some kind of um, unrelated condition here, but more it is a reflection of how God um, gives us that inheritance. So the word of grace gives us an inheritance, but this is only for the sanctified. So how does the word give us this inheritance? By sanctifying us. And so that's the fourth thing which I've called untangled. God sanctifies us through the word. That means God sets us apart for him, helps us to be exclusive to him. Jesus said in John 17, verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The truth sets us apart. The truth separates us. It untangles us from the world and the sinful nature. We are different, and the word of God helps us to reflect that difference, to change us to be different, and to prepare us to be with God in a fuller better way. So it's like we are on a trajectory through God's word. We are on a trajectory for the future, for that eternal life, and he prepares us for it. And so it's kind of ridiculous, I think, to say, oh, you know what, I really, I can't wait to to meet God face to face and to be with him and to have this relationship with him. And yet when we have a daily experience, an opportunity to meet God and to encounter him, we think, I might just put the news on instead. You know, if we want to be with God and to encounter him, well, let's do that. Let's not neglect the opportunity we have to encounter him today. And the word helps us with that. One of the things that helps me to do that is just recognizing God is so very different to our culture. His world is different to the world. Uh, His word is different to the world around us. And we are called to be different to those around us, those who don't know him or follow him. So sanctification, it really is about reflecting our commitment to him above all other things. And so it's important that we interpret the world through the word and not the other way round. So, you know, we can't view what we read in the Bible through the lens of the world. We, you know, read something and say, oh, well, you know, it, it, can't, it can't mean this because, you know, that's not one of our fundamental British values. And just don't get me started on politicians just deciding what our fundamental British values because we will be here some time. But it, it, it's kind of, we, we, it's important that we can disconnect ourselves from our culture. And that can be quite a challenge. And I kind of, you know, some people, the nature of their gifting or their temperament, they're kind of probably help to have a bit more um, of a sense of perspective, whereas others maybe need some help from other people. It's why church and discipleship is so important. It helps us identify what are the filters that we're kind of reading things through, you know, in, in sort of the years in which I've been discipling people. There's definitely times where I, I kind of, you know, try to, to unpick people, why they've kind of come to this conclusion. And sometimes they come to the right conclusion, um, but, but, you know, maybe there's some, some um, kind of cultural things or um, ways of looking at it that, um, you know, are not necessarily kind of have to be the, the right way. It's a bit like when you used to uh, have to do your maths test and stuff like that, and they always said, show you're working out. Because sometimes you can get the right answer, but you go the wrong way through it. And actually, what we want to learn is the right way to do it. Um, and so, you know, getting help to identify our filters is really important. So there are um, kind of four things that are in this passage in, that hopefully help us in our um, relationship with God. And I, I thought it would be helpful just to kind of really sort of land some of this in real life. Um, I'm going to ask Andy Barry to come up. And uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, we, we did a series and we kind of did some interviews with some people. And, uh, and I thought it would be really um, helpful maybe just to talk to uh, someone, and in this case Andy, for five minutes to talk about kind of his experience of, uh, of kind of reading the Bible and encountering God through the Bible. So should we uh, grab a seat? Need some step ladder for <laughs> So um, Andy, um, what does your relationship, at a kind of basic level, what does your relationship with God through the Word look like? 
what does it what does it look like um it, it, for me it's been a bit of a journey really to be honest um it, it, it kind of started from reading the bible kind of mechanically mm-hmm. um almost like a text like a textbook because that's the way i'd kind of been brought up um now I've kind of realized that if I want to be able to have what I need to get through a day or what I need to be able to invest in people later on in that day, I've got to be able to understand how God looks at stuff. Mm -hmm. And the only way for me to do that is to be able to just kind of pick it up and not just kind of read it as a textbook anymore, but kind of just kind of say, actually, God, I need some faith for today. Uh What are you saying? Uh, And, and, um, and does, does that take does that take effort to kind of not slip back into the kind of just textbook reading or the oh well you know I've got to read my Bible because I've got to read my Bible? Yeah, so I've had to do a couple of things. I've had to first of all actually get out, get on and read it. Uh-huh. Um, that, that was one of the first things. So um, uh, when just after Anna was born, I made a resolution to start reading the Bible through every year and just read it just to read it, mm-hmm. to see what God was like. But, um, you know, more recently to kind of, like you say, you know, use a notebook and just take notes of things that kind of impact you as you're reading. And it's, it's kind of uh, interesting every day. There's, got, there's always something to write uh-huh. down. And so do you, I mean, do you have a sense of kind of really encountering God in the Word? Is it like, I suppose, are there ways in which you can kind of go beyond just, you know, knowing the Bible to knowing God through the Bible? Yeah, I mean, I think there there are days when you read it and you just go, "Whoa!" I, I, and 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 you kind of know, you kind of think, "Oh my goodness, has God sort of like turned that page or or put the highlighter?" That's what I needed yeah. for today. And the weird thing is, is sometimes you read that and it isn't until later that day that you go, "Whoa, God knew I needed to know that today." Uh-huh. You know, and yeah. you you you're sort of walking through the day, having kind of read it in the morning. And then, kind of through the day, at some at some yeah. point every day, that you just go, "Whoa, I needed to know that today," and that's just really how God kind of uh-huh. speaks to me through His Word. And I, I know, um, so Alison, your wife, is quite a kind of a reader. She's quite a booky person. You kidding? <laughs> but I suppose I get the impression that maybe you're, you're not necessarily such a, a kind of a booky person. I, I suppose I've talked to some, spoken to some people, which is, you know, it's not an offence, but I, I talked to some people who are just I, not if, natural. If, if I could get the Bible in cartoon form, <laughs> yes. fantastic. Or when the movie comes out, just be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> you know, in our house, that's the way it normally works. You know, Alison reads the book, I watch the movies, something like that. So, <laughs> I, I guess there's I, some people who, who would say, oh, I'm not much of a reader, so actually reading the Bible or coming to this book is quite a struggle. Yeah, and I've had to... Um, I've had to discipline myself. I think that that's a, a word that um, I've had to work, really work really hard at. Alison does these things because she's more naturally disciplined than me. I'm, I'm, I'm less so. Um, and, and so I've had to find a way of doing it that brings me life, yeah. but make sure that I do it every single, every single day. And some of that, unfortunately, comes down to pure self-discipline. Uh-huh. Um, and do you, um, do you have an awareness then of, kind of how um, reading the Bible and meeting God through the Bible is changing you or has changed you? Yeah, mainly because Alison tells me they've changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, um, I've had sort of, um, 2015 was kind of a, a, a tough, tough year for me, but not as tough as the year before. And some of that has come from just having the discipline, doing it every day, seeking God, getting the grace for the day. And, you know, you talked about, you know, Paul talking about grace. You know, he could tell us about grace because he understood his need Mm. for it. And so um, getting the grace to do a day, letting God take control of a situation rather than me do that, and actually learning that the bit I needed to do was actually get to know the word better and therefore things line up better. 2015, completely different year. That's great. Um, Finally, do you have any you know, top tip or kind of number one thing you'd say to people who maybe they, you know, have struggled to kind of really get into the Bible or struggle to get life from it? Well, a couple of things for me. Um, you've got to find the, the point in the day where you're going to take it in the most. I'm a, I'm a morning person, so morning's going to be the time where I'm going to take it in um, more. 
I've learned not to get out of bed because if I get out of bed, then the day started and, you know, um, I, I get into stuff. But I think more than that, you've got to make the decision, yes, I want to know God more and this is the only way to do it. There, there, there is actually no two ways around that, and unfortunately, you know, and I've tried them, trust me. <laughs> you want a list of things not to try. Um, I, um, and that's the thing, you know, you've got to make that decision, yes, I'm going to do this, but I think find things that, that bring faith to you. So um, Pastor Caesar's got a book, um, Declarations of Power, 365 Days. I, I've found that a good supplement alongside reading the Bible because, you know, when you're reading numbers or some of the battles and you just can't, you know, where's God in this? You always get faith from something. Um, and that's been really helpful um, for me. Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you very much, Lindy. Okay, let's, let's recap. So um, I called this talk Unremoved because I wanted to emphasize about Paul's relationship with God through his words. And uh, we've looked at verse 32. It says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. We've talked about undeserved, that through the Bible, God reveals his passion for us by his grace. Undeterred, through the Bible, God reveals his purposes for us by building us up. Undying, through the Bible, God reveals his preparation of us for our inheritance of eternal life with him. And untangled, through the Bible, God reveals his purifying as we are sanctified. And in verse 35 of the the passage, Paul quotes the Lord Jesus. and says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And this is a really interesting uh, quote, because it's not actually found in the Gospels. But of course, Paul didn't uh, meet Jesus by reading the Gospels. He met Jesus supernaturally, and he learned about Jesus from those who uh, were with him before the Gospels were even written. So um, just because it's not in the, the Gospels, it doesn't mean Jesus didn't say it, but God chose to record it here in the book of Acts. And so this is part of this word, this more blessed to give than to receive, is part of the word of grace Paul is referring to. And we can see in his example in the passage we read and in his attitude how Paul really relates to God and has received the word. So he talks about verse 18, how I live with humility. Verse 20, preaching anything helpful going from house to house. Verse 24, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Blessed to give and to receive. Verse 31, warning night and day with tears. He talks about in verse 33, not coveting. Verse 34, meeting the needs of the self, of himself and others. In verse 35, of helping the weak through his hard work. So Paul, the point is, Paul was a man who didn't just teach about the word, but who had a relationship with God through it. He received the word of God as the word of God, as God's word. He connected it with the God he loved and served. And so he changed. He put it into practice. He received the help he needed from it. He was encouraged and led by it. He was prepared and changed by it. And quite simply, in response, I want to ask us the question, you know, do we want that? Do we want to have a relationship with God through his word like that? And I've just put some questions on the, the slide to help us to reflect upon and to act upon. So the first question has to be, do I read the Bible? And then do I connect my Bible reading with my relationship with God? Am I reading it like a textbook or am I meeting God in it? Can I appreciate how God helps me through his word? And then finally, are there any changes I want to make in my relationship with God and his word. And then there's one particular question there, and uh, uh, when I've been uh, talking to Pastor Clive about this, about this series, and uh, you know, he, he was really encouraging us to consider this question. What is my response today? Those of you who've taken part in a Discovery Bible study, you know that's kind of one of the key questions we ask in our cell meetings. You know, what is my response? What is it that I've heard that I need to act upon? What is it that I can do in response? And Clive um, kind of asked us and said that he wants us to, to ask that question. But for those of us who are in cells, not just to leave it at that, but to call or text or speak to our cell leader 
today about that. So we need to answer that question and then to tell us our leader what our response is. Because, you know, we really need to crack this. You know, the Bible is where we, how we meet God is kind of one of the key ways in which we grow. And we need to grow. We need to grow. I can't imagine going through a year and not growing and not getting closer to that point of not making progress on that trajectory. So this is a really important question. Okay, what am I going to do? What is my response today? And to talk to our cell leader about that. And cell leaders, Pastor Clive has asked that we follow this up this week in cells or with cell members. And I can send some more information out about that later on today. So that's the, the response. And I'm going to just pray quite simply and ask God to help us, not just to, to uh, reflect on and have a response, but to make that response. So, Father, we thank you for your word, that it is your word, and that, Lord, through your word, we meet you, we encounter you, we grow with you, that our faith grows, that our, uh, our relationship with you um, takes steps closer and onward, Lord God. And we thank you. This is a word of grace. Lord, thank you that we don't need to have qualifications to read your word and understand it. We don't need to have a degree in theology. We don't need to be learned. Lord God, thank you. This word is the word of God for each and every one of us, for every man or woman or child who will pick this book up and receive it. Lord, that you will speak to them and you will meet them. And our prayer this morning, Lord, is that you would help us, Lord, to renew our relationship with you through your word, Lord God, that you would help us to, uh, to respond, that you would help us to resolve, Lord God, and to, to, to kind of come to you in your word with fresh zeal and motivation and life. Lord, would you speak to us in the week ahead through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.